Patrol Radio, WDPR 96.3, your favorite transit into the underground. A quick reminder, keep your hands, arms, and legs inside while the train is moving and supervise all personalities. This is Do Patrol Radio. Mantenga sus manos, brazos y piernas adentro mientras el tren se está moviendo y supervise a todas las personalidades. Esto es Doom Patrol Radio. Alright, welcome back nobody to Doom Patrol Radio, a show that is coming out of a painting... In a dusty old museum. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can also find me on all social media at No Clutch Nate. And today we're talking about episode nine of Doom Patrol, which is called Jane Patrol, in which Cliff Steele finds his way in the underground of Jane's mind. And uh, yeah, this is going to be based off, um, mostly it's going to be based off of. Uh, issue 30 of Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol from the 1987 run. Um, this is an episode you and I have been looking forward to for a very long time, Nate. Yeah. Uh, as as well with, with most things. And yeah. We, like We're I, just curious to see what they're going to pull from the book and, and put in the show. At yeah. this point, it's it's you know, an open game. Yeah. You know, there's only six episodes left of this season. Mm. Six episodes. Uh, Danny Patrol was... Uh, in my opinion, the mid-season finale, and uh, rightly so. Uh, but today we're talking about the underground, and this is, is gonna be, does it really count as a finale if there's no break? Is it, there's not going to be a break. There wasn't a break, but it's in my opinion, it was. It had that mid-season finale type like gravitas, where, yeah. where it was like, like there was so much put into episode eight, which felt it felt right, um, and and this is really just going to focus on Cliff Steele and Crazy Jane in this episode. We barely are going to see uh, Negative Man, except for one thing. Um, but Cyborg and, and Rita Farr are absent or dealing with something else, hint, um, mm-hmm. that we'll get to later. Um, but yeah, this is, is this is influenced by issue 30 of the 1987 run in which... Um, in that storyline, what had just happened was Mr. Nobody and his Brotherhood of Dada, they stole Paris in that painting. And um, when Crazy Jane like unleashes the fifth horseman, um, it like destroys everything within the painting, but then they all get out of it. But then some of them, I think the Brotherhood of Dada stay in the painting. The Doom Patrol come out of it but it leaves Crazy Jane in like a coma. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get that cool, um, There's a, I think there's a cell in there or a cover art actually of Superman holding Crazy Jane. Yeah. Like the Justice League is there. It's that big of an issue. Um, and so she's in a coma. And then to, to get her back to normal, um, that's when negative, or Rebus sends Cliff Steele into uh, Crazy Jane's mind. And in that one, what they do differently was um, that's when they put Cliff Steele's brain in like the jar, in like mm, a, yeah. a, a formaldehyde jar, and 
then he did that thing. But um, I think, uh, I don't want to speak for you, Nate, but like I, I would say our big, biggest reaction was that they do uh, they do emulate that again. Yeah, the, the, in the in the Gerard Way sense. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Negative Man touches uh, Robot Man's mind, and then Jane, and then they kind of zap into each other. Um, it's cool that, so, so I, th- I think it's really cool that what the show is, you know, sticking to is that Negative Man using his abilities is the negative spirit. It's mm-hmm. not just like Negative Man in control of the negative spirit kind of thing. Yeah. Which is yeah. how they did it in um, that one of those last issues of that first volume. Um, Robot Man just approaches Jane when she's running the cult and they're kind of screaming at each other. And Negative Man just kind of waltzes up and is just like, all right, I got this. And just zap, touches him. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, that's uh it was really cool how they just uh kind of changed it up. Yeah, it was in in um in the Gerard Way books when when Negative Man does that sending Cliff Steel into Crazy Jane's underground and he does that little zap thing. Mm-hmm. It's really I really like how Gerard Way does it. And they you're right when they the way it's done in this episode kind of feels more like that. Um and even though you can't see the the words like in a comic book or you can get that like sense of i guess what would be slapstick even on the slightest touch mm-hmm. but later on cliff Steele explains it to a character that we know and love um and he does that he says well he just kind of touched our brains and went zap or yeah, buzz yeah, and it, and it was like oh so they still acknowledge how like quirky it was and mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that they took the time to explain that how silly it was that negative man did that negative man huge episode last week with with danny patrol so they're just kind of like all right we we've set the world on fire with danny patrol so now it's time to like honestly and literally negative man just takes a snooze yeah. <laughs> this entire episode and i think next episode as well they're just like all right we're just gonna put negative man on the back burner and um, you brought up a great point where it's like, uh, you know, negative man does this thing where like the negative spirit's like, I'm going to take over now. Mm-hmm. But they just leave him yeah. <laughs> on the ground there. Which he, is, I mean, that's that's fun. But it, I, I, I had the notion, I was like, they couldn't just prop him up. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, I would at least be like, hey, if I pass out, just uh, put me in that wheelchair. Yeah. Put me in that was called her wheelchair and just let the guy sleep for a bit, you know. Um, but yeah, so, uh, we're talking about the underground today and, um, all throughout this episode, um, we've been big fans of the Kevin Kiner and Clint Mansell, like the music that they do for the show. Mm -hmm. And this episode seemed like the heaviest of use of that music throughout, like different scores, different things, like nothing that I could, um, I think there was an episode prior where you heard the Doom Patrol theme kind of used again for the first time. As a motif. As a motif. Um, But this time, I couldn't specifically call out anything, but I did notice that every scene that had their music was extremely unique. And, like, they do a really good job of that. It almost sounds like they do such a good job because you think that it's a licensed song starting or something. Yeah. Like you think like, oh, there's is this music from something that I should know about? Is this a synth pop song, something from the eighties? And it's not. It's like it's just their work. And 
this would be something that I would I would love to like listen back on and like hopefully they release um an original soundtrack so i can go through it because they do a really good job i hope i hope people are noticing their work because i I think it's very it's not just composition music it just has that 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 sound that i really enjoy i agree with you um there was a lot of uh i don't really like to call it synth pop but i guess it is it was a. I just love a synthesizer, man. Well, yeah, <laughs> not them, but when I hear it, normally mm-hmm. I go, "Oh, is this the start of one of those yeah, songs?" Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's um, no, they were really good. I think the f- my favorite one out of it, the one that I I paid attention to, was when Cliff was in the jail cell breaking out, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had a that that song that was playing right as he was getting up to the wall was great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's going to happen, so we need to start talking about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, since we're in the underground, uh, this is where all 64 personalities of uh, K-Chalice exist uh, in harmony? Question mark. Um, and so right off the bat, instead of going through like a boring scroll and, and listing off all the names, Nate, just tell me who you found most memorable among all amongst all the crazy janes i'm i'm biased though that's I'm, fair I, i'm biased towards, you can be biased towards one of them um but i'm trying to i'm trying to give you a good answer where uh it sounds smart <laughs> <laughs> don't even don't it's even trust your instincts my instincts told me to go with the first one which is one of the first characters that we meet in the underground rightfully so and that's driver eight. Oh yeah big fans of driver eight um i I'm a big fan of REM, so it just makes sense. <laughs> but also, um, I think Driver 8 is one of the most uh, essential characters that's in there because they navigate the underground, and that's yeah. not a that's and not they an gave easy her job. a purpose. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the only that has a job. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I guess two of them have jobs, and that's Driver 8 and and Jane, where they're they're supposed to. Uh, I mean, they have jobs. Driver 8 navigates the underground, yeah. and, and Jane has to go up top. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there you go. That's, that's a really cool contrast between two characters when they meet. Um, one of them has a good handle on what they're doing and their decisions in their life and in the underground, and the other one is second-guessing everything that she's doing. Yeah. And it's an incredible contrast for the two of them to converse. Um Crazy Jane and Driver 8 talking doesn't seem like a, uh, it, it doesn't seem like something that you could just bat an eye towards and just be like, okay, they just had a conversation. It seems like that's something that should resonate with Jane mostly. Um, maybe Driver 8's the, uh, the only one that she can actually relate close, closest to. Yeah. Um, maybe going back to because they have purposes. Yeah. The, Driver 8 really was one of those characters since the beginning, very much like Danny the Street, uh, Flex Mentallo, fingers crossed. Um, But along with just the fact that Crazy Jane is in this show, in this iteration of Doom Patrol, um, and that that it's not only just the Arnold Drake uh, Doom Patrol, um, Driver 8 was hugely anticipated by you and I. It's a character we've been looking forward to seeing for a very long time. And... Driver 8, they, they've they given her a purpose. Um, I think in Grant Morrison's 1987 run, she makes her first appearance right in the second issue. Um, but Driver 8, like, 
exists. Like it's just like oh, and it, the way this show introduces her to Cliff Steele is very much verbatim uh, in dialogue. The way that they have a conversation in um, Doom Patrol, uh, nineteen eighty-seven uh, issue two, where it's like. Oh, I'm not Jane. I'm I'm Driver Eight, mm-hmm. and it was one of those things where, for the first time, if you haven't caught that she's got multiple personalities, it is one of those like, no, I'm pretty sure you're Jane. You're not Driver Eight, so it's one of those. Uh, I really liked how they had that conversation uh, come back again for the first time. Um, but yeah, we've been expecting this character for a very long time, and I think what you said was very important when you said like um, that Driver Eight has this conversation with Jane as she's transporting Jane back to being the primary controller of uh, Kay Chalice's body. And the way Driver 8 is designed in this show, she's wearing this hat, this like train conductor hat Mm -hmm. with like an eight that's sideways, like an infinity symbol. And like started to think that, this is all Driver 8 does. This is how this... We've come to a point where Driver 8 has been developed into a character that drives the, the train through the underground. This is her job. Um, and being on this thing that might be an infinite loop, like I was starting to think that why is Driver 8 allowing Crazy Jane to, to destroy to destroy that structure, to to hit that emergency break, because Crazy Jane doesn't want to return back to nor- uh, to reality, um, and they're having this conversation, and and Crazy Jane's asking these questions that are obviously red flags, should be red flags for Driver Eight, and she's Driver Eight's saying, you know, like if you pull that emergency, it could really fuck up this train. And and she's like, well, how long will it take to fix it? And so it's one of those things where it's like driver eight's kind of like, like I'm giving you permission to pull that emergency brake and and send this thing off the rails. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't she care about that? Like, wouldn't she like it? It halts her purpose, I think. Yeah, it halts her purpose. But then I'm thinking, like, is it the point? Is it the point that like you stop that sense of insanity of like running like so the the hat with the the eight symbol and the infinity symbol is it trying to break that that infinite loop is that what driver eight secretly is toying with like ooh, that might be fun because if you are driver eight and you're constantly sitting on that train it's like you do want to break from from normalcy, right? It's Absolutely. Like, yeah, that's what I got. I mean, I got that f- feeling um, even reading the book and looking at the character design because um, Driver 8 does have the same symbol on the, the hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was just an infinite loop. It's just, in my mind, the, the underground kind of just went in a circle. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not, you know, it's vast. It goes, dips in and out and Yeah, when and you actually like look at the underground yeah. picture, it's like, yeah, it doesn't go like that. But yeah, but in a sense, it is just the circle that yeah. just kind of fairies uh the personalities up to the top and mm-hmm. yada 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 and eight times eight is 64 mark i didn't know that you didn't know that no <laughs> simple math i uh wasn't thinking that simple <laughs> <laughs> um but square that's root of 69 is eight so 64 69 yeah, nice like, that was a drake quote <laughs> oh 
Oh. Do you not get it? No. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, some cool things, I guess, um, if you're... Uh, if you want a little, I guess, more, I don't even know if it's Easter eggs or stuff about Driver 8 um, uh, listeners, um, but um, I guess there's there's a, two songs I want to reference uh, mm-hmm. with Driver 8. Obviously, the one that we're going to be talking about the most is R.E.M.'s R-E-M. <laughs> uh, Driver 8, and some of the more important quotes I want to uh, pick out of attention, um, pick for attention um is is the one where it says and the train conductor says take a break driver eight driver eight take a break we've been on this shift too long and then later it says um we can reach our destination but we're still a ways away and this i want to bring back just because we're talking about that infinite loop system and that uh driver eight may want that sense of break where it's like you kind of lied yourself where you're like Maybe I should take a break. Yeah. Like maybe I, maybe you should pull that emergency break and we can take a break. Um, but yeah, that was one of those things. And then the other song I wanted to reference was actually a song called Interstate 8 by Modest Mouse. And uh, this one is very much the same where um, it's like that idea of being stuck in a rut doing the same thing over and over again. And I feel like if that's the thing theme of this entire episode and like having that breakthrough i think i can get behind that yeah absolutely is that that kind of what you got throughout this episode yeah of course um yeah yeah it's hard so like i said i'm biased i like rem Mm -hmm. i know the song well and it's just uh you know reading that once he got the book it, it, it it made sense um you know, before it was just like, oh, this is a neat R.E.M. song. This is cool. Michael Stipe. Yeah, you go, man. Um, but then you listen to it and you kind of put it together with um, what Grant Morrison did to the character. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the only uh, pop rock, I guess, if you will, that um, mm-hmm. he incorporated in with the Doom Patrol. There's a lot of music things that yeah. are about in Doom Patrol. And um, yeah, you can just tell that uh, the Driver 8 song was, um, I don't even know if... Drive rate song to the character metaphors yes yeah um, influence influence allegories of course yeah so yeah so breaking the mold of that infinite loop and um is exactly what that character needed at the time yeah um it kind of goes back to uh, driver rate knows how to fix the train like mm-hmm. there's no go- th- th- that's not even a question it's just if the train breaks down it's going to get fixed by drive rate it just yeah. might take some time but you're still gonna fix it. You know, yeah. So, so you, you're allowed to take that break. You're allowed to pull that emergency break. Yeah, because even even Driver Eight, her answer is a question to Crazy Jane, where she says, "How long would it take to fix?" And she was like, "How long do you need?" Mm-hmm. And so it is one of those where Driver Eight is willing to help Crazy Jane and and seeking that break and and enjoying enjoying that that um, the decision to break the mold. Which, yeah, I, I think the more we start to talk about it, that might actually be the theme. And as we continue talking about the episode, we might have to look for that. Um, the quotes from Interstate 8 by Modest Mouse that kind of help, um, um, how do you say, like um, support our thesis <laughs> uh, would be, uh, there's two, there's two um, stanzas. Uh, one would be, spent 18 hours waiting, stoned for space. Um, wait, hold on. I'm on a road shaped like a figure eight. I'm going nowhere, but I'm guaranteed to be late. And then later on, it's, I drove around for hours, I drove around for days, I drove around for months and years, and never went no place. And so I feel like, again, 
thinking about that eight, that infinity symbol, driver eight, seeking a break, crazy Jane seeking a break from the task of trying to be normal, that struggle to be normal. It's a secret normal humans have. And, and to, um, I guess towards the end of the episode also change how she's been dealing with this trauma that Kate Chalice has been struck many, many moons ago. Like, I think, I think that's the thematic. Your problems are, because you choose to avoid them, have become an infinite loop of running away from those problems Mm -hmm. until Crazy Jane plants her feet on the ground and says, I will face the storm instead Mm -hmm. of running from it. So, yeah, I think we're already... Already onto something and didn't didn't even realize it the first time watching it. Good comparisons. I wonder if um, if uh, you know, Modest Mouse took from REM in that sense. I don't know what their influences were. Um, I don't know because I I don't um, I've never seen that before. And 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 I guess more my question more is 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 like did Grant Morrison um, was he influenced by? these these themes when he created driver eight is driver eight based on uh 1987 driver eight came out in is when he was writing it 1986 is when the song came out really yeah i'm gonna have to say it's it's influence what album was that from monster no it wasn't yeah. monster uh, yeah I'll, I'll say it's influenced the character for sure um but that concept that 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 fables is, of reconstruction that's what it's from fables fables of reconstruction oh okay cool um, and I think Interstate 8 is building nothing out of something, uh, that album, or it might be never ending math equation. Um, but yeah, some more memorable Janes that I, um, not only was I looking forward to, but very happy to see, uh, Black Annis makes a, a, a first appearance in the TV show and Black Annis, uh, Nate, you were saying is a character that, uh, makes an appearance in, in the beginning, the first, um, arc of, Doom Patrol 1987. Yes, I gotta say I apologize. Um, Fables of Reconstruction came out in 1985, so oh, of he had a enough. good year to, yeah. to listen yeah. to the album. Well, he was writing Doom Patrol <laughs> in '86. It got yeah. published in '87. REM came out in '85. It's it's all connected. I, mm-hmm. I totally believe that that song influenced him during that time to make that character. Um, but uh, Black Annis uh, is a character that we've seen. In the comic books, Black Annis is outside, yeah, and controlling Crazy Which Jane. I have a question about because um, whenever Black Annis showed up in the series, I kind of was was thinking that I never really understood that particular personality's purpose in coming up, other than brute strength. Yeah, just a psychotic, um, like succubus. Yeah, type. just a crazy demon with you know crazy strength that could grow that's just massive and blade hands. Yeah, very. It is very interesting because in in the show it plays almost like a Charon yeah. uh, position where it's like you shall not pass or you shall pass type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not worthy. Um, and in the comic books, it's more like, uh, hey, we need we need Crazy Jane right now to be able to attack yeah. bad guys that Grant Morrison has written. And so uh, Black Anna shows up and it's just uh, Wolverine, like X-23 type, which yeah. just comes in and like starts cutting things up. So it, it, she, in the comic books, is more like a possessed person type thing. Uh, this is more like Freddy Krueger meets 
the the Tore Kong Lee from Peter Jackson's 2005 King Kong film. It was a very deep cut. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so Black Annis made it, and, and this was one of my, I was looking forward to, I, ha- I had seen um, some promotional photos that showed that Black Annis was going to be in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't say it was Black Annis, but I saw it immediately, oh, and, I, yeah. and I went, they put my girl Black Annis in here, yeah. so I was very happy. For me, it was a, a memorable character um, next to Driver Ray. I'm hoping to see Black Annis in the future, like, take over Crazy Jane in reality and, and fuck up some creatures. I would love to see that. Um, but Driver 8 and Black Annis were definitely uh, some of the coolest ones. Um, they show almost all of them. Uh, Penny Farthing has a huge, mm-hmm. uh, like, unexpected, like, supporting character role, which I absolutely loved. I love uh, crazy. I loved Diane's uh, Penny Farthing when we were doing the D-Creator stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this character, uh, this actress who plays Penny in this one is fantastic as well. Um, but there's so many, there's so many other personalities that they show. Um, I'm trying to think of some other cool ones. Was there any other memorable ones besides the, most of the ones? I, I know we saw like Lucy Fugue and yeah, Silver Lucy Tongue. Fugue. They're um, all great representations. Scarlet Harlot was another one that I enjoy seeing just cause, mm-hmm. um, it's a fun character. Yeah. Um, I like her quips and her retorts and everything like that. Um, yeah, I it was, was kind of cool to see Karen again. Yeah, um, in a different light. I was thinking more along. Um, I was kind of thinking about Penny Farthing. She, we get to see her job or purpose in the yeah. episode a lot because she says that she, she, her job is to run. You know, that's mm-hmm. what she does. She, she kind of, if if something's in danger and it's too over the head, she'll come up to the surface and get out of there. Um, which she was doing in the that's episode. That's what she did, the decreator. It's what she did in the decreator. It's what she was doing now. Mm-hmm. Even though you were, she was kind of ferrying um, Jane and then Robot Man in, further down into the underground. Mm-hmm. I still think her, she was still do, doing her job of trying to dissuade them of going further. So yeah, it was exactly. in a sense of her still running. Yeah, but it was. Um, she was still comfortable in the un- underground enough to continue forward and just kind of softly say hey this isn't you shouldn't be going further you shouldn't do this yada 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 yeah absolutely um they all look great they all look phenomenal um i enjoy all the representations of her Mm -hmm. personalities i'm hoping to revisit the underground for some reason would be kind of cool to see Mm -hmm. um lucy fugue was one of them that we saw in doom patrol the second one donkey patrol I believe Lucy Fugue makes an appearance in that one. And um, Lucy Fugue, what I liked about her in this one, what I found memorable was that because she's the electricity one, mm-hmm. I got a sense her her makeup looks almost exactly like Electro from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I got that and it was, and I was And I was looking at her and I was going... She looks reminiscent of of uh, Jamie Foxx's Electro, and I like that because I like that movie. Fight it's me, a great movie. Yeah, <laughs> don't even don't don't add us. That's a, even that movie's great. Even if you don't like the first Amazing Spider Man, I like the second one. Yeah, this ain't that podcast. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to comment on Lucy Fugue. Uh, if you're listening, I would really love to hear what uh, personalities 
personalities you found most memorable mm-hmm. because there's so many crazy Jane personalities. Yeah. We, got, I think we got a glimpse of Mama Pentecost, which is I, o- I always yes. liked. Um, that was kind of fun. Um, and it's cool to see them like in and, and not just uh, Diane in a different costume. You yeah, know what I mean? It's, it's nice it's to cool see that them they, they having a conversation. Yeah. yeah, like they're having that conversation. The secretary was talking to Crazy Jane mm-hmm. and, and so was uh, Pretty Polly mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, I enjoyed that. Like, Karen was arguing with all of them, and there, like, seeing that was cool. Seeing Hammerhead converse, um, there's that scene where Hammerhead shows up, um, where Driver 8 and Cliff are, and so does Driller Bill. And it was like, they just beat the fuck out of, out of Brendan Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I, I was just, it was so good to see. Um, yeah. Definitely, uh, tweet at us or, Hit us up on Facebook. Let us know who you found most memorable of the personalities. I guess that that honestly, when you read Doom Patrol and, and you're first like learning about Crazy Jane as you read the books, it's it's like the personalities show up and you go, "Wow, that's cool. That's mm-hmm. my favorite." We're like, "Oh wow, that's so cool. She could do that now." And it's it's that like um uh, like that kind of like. Uh, I don't know, like a Wonder Ball mentality. You don't know what what kind of personality is going to show Wonder up. Wonder Ball, the candy. Yeah, that's the only reference I can make. That I didn't. Is that a real phrase people say? A Wonder Ball mentality. Well, they they had they they had the slogan. You, you don't know what you're going to get, right? Yeah. I wonder if it like before Wonder Balls, it was like a Cracker Jack personality or, or anything. Yeah, but this is my era. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I don't like it. Cracker Jack. That so. was I, I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> um. um but yeah, it's because it, when you're reading it, it's they the the characters, um, the personalities show up like instantaneously. And mm-hmm. one one panel you'll see something, and then the next panel will be something different. It it can get confusing. Um, How so? Oh, in the books? Yeah, in the books. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, that's the point. Like it's it's sometimes it's hard to keep up with, uh, especially in that underground. Yeah, you can't make uh, it easy. Yeah, that it's, it's like having a different personality. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um. They make it easy in in the TV show because uh, they got other things to do. You know, they got like a 40, 50 minute episode. They got to like yeah. show you that she's changing. All right, it's time to like, you know, now move the story in that way. So they do a good job of it. And honestly, I love, I love this show's decision decision that the characters would change like um, phonetically, where it's like. Um, not phonetically, um, like physically, visually, like phenotypes. Yeah, like where Silver Tongue, which when Silver Tongue decides to take control of K. Chalice's body, it's like the hair and makeup like change mm-hmm. immediately. I enjoy that. Where I think it was in Doom Patrol Volume Two of Grant Morrison, where Crazy Chain like has a personality shift, and then all of a sudden the character like wants to change clothes, and it's like. Mm-hmm. She's like rummaging someone's wardrobe and like putting on like a clown jester attire or something. And it's like, this is better where it just happens and she turns into it. And I enjoy that a lot. So, um, but speaking of transitions, we got a good old Brendan Fraser here in oh, person. It was great. It was yeah? great. Yeah, yeah. I very much enjoyed seeing Brendan Fraser on screen. I love the guy. I think he's a great actor. I, I enjoy him a lot. Um, I think he's been killing it as cliff Steele in the series and now that we get to see him in the wardrobe jacket pants and boots and everything mm-hmm. but him as a person and not um you know just doing the voice 
I think he embodied it very well. Yeah. I mean, even even looking at um at Negative Man and Matt Bomber, he's not in the bandages, but when he is in the uh burnt skin makeup, you can still tell that like like they're they're indistinguishable. You know what I mean? They still have the same mannerisms. Um and that just goes to the actors that are portraying them with the costumes on. They have studied their 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 character that they have. They've studied the actor's portrayal of the voice and their motions and all these things and it just kind of it, it clicks um i think they need they they deserve some goddamn award to be honest with you yeah uh, it's just what they're doing with when the characters like robot man and negative man are in the bandages and in the robot suit it's not brendan fraser or matt bomber it's just their voices but the actors behind that are just doing a hell of a job and now we're seeing it on the reverse with robot man where it's brendan fraser not only doing the voice but he is doing the physical stuff of Robot Man now and Cliff Steele. It it fits almost perfectly, you know? Yeah, yeah. You don't feel a disconnect. Mm-mm, not at all. From Robot Man's, uh, what do you call that? Like puppeteer? Yeah. Like, I guess it's like puppeteering. No, it's not a puppeteer because that makes it seem like you're talking down on the... The actor in the suit. No, I was trying to be professional. I was trying to say, like, what what are they supposed? Oh, to be? what do they call that? Like, I, I guess just acting, actor portrayal. Yeah, like the, you don't feel a disconnect from the way Brendan Fraser acts as Robot Man to the way that the other actor who's in the robot suit is is doing it, and 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 that works wonders because since there's no disconnect, there's no sense of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually curious if Matt Bomber plays negative man in the bandages we know he plays them obviously when he's oh no he does i know for a fact that he doesn't oh you know oh yeah i stand corrected there's, there's i don't there's blame two. him oh cool there's two negative always men. two there are mm-hmm. and i mean the same with uh with cliff Steele. oh yeah definitely that's because they they need a real thin guy to fit in that suit <laughs> um but yeah like you don't feel a disconnect and it has been a very long time since we've seen brendan fraser act like just in general, I mean, he took he actually took a break from acting, mm-hmm. and and I think he full on quit acting and then came back. Um, and he's just a very charismatic guy. Yeah, it's really hard not to like him. It's really hard really not to hard. like him, and it's like it, it's. I think he doesn't realize how easy he makes it all seem. Oh my gosh, you're right. I think, so easy because I think you would think, and. <sighs> And I don't mean to be rude, but you would think a guy who, like, you know, he, he like peaked with the mummy, and then retired from acting, and then came back. You would like, I think sometimes people think of like, uh, like you just like limped back into acting because mm-hmm. you need to or anything. Like he comes back in, and you just love him all over again. He kills it, despite you know, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like he's. Um, he really has adapted to like his age and, and where he is currently to like the character that he's playing. Like he really does. He really is perfectly casted. Um, and it, it almost makes too much sense that he's playing robot man. Yeah. And like you see, and you go, this is like strangely easy. Like this is too easy of a decision that he's playing this character. And, and and he really makes it look easy. Like I don't know. I think he I, just took really well to the source material. Man. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if they wrote it for him. 
I it doesn't seem like it because this is stemming from comic books from the eighties and it matches up so well with Brendan Fraser that we already know. So it's like, it just all seems too easy. Um, perfect, perfect. I, I couldn't think of anyone better. Yeah. I don't think you could have done any better. Um, I don't definitely, I don't know. They'd, they would have to have tried just to make it worse. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Brendan Fraser is in this episode and it, it's just a damn blast to see him, um, through it all. And, um, there's a, a, a fantastic moment, um, towards the end of the episode, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to save Jane and, and, and I guess Karen calls him out for trying to, to continue being that good father figure. Um, but there's, there's two great moments from uh, his character in this episode. One where he, he battles that idea uh, of who he is mm-hmm. in front of Black Annis, where he's um, confronting that he is no longer a man. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we talked about with the Decreator episodes, where it was like we, who you are and who you perceive yourself to be is not the same. Like, mm-hmm. And um, he comes to terms with that. And I thought that that sequence was was really cool. and And I enjoyed that moment i'm glad that they had that moment um because i was thinking about it in in the comic books where it's like when he's in the underground he he is written in the comic books as robot man he's drawn as robot man is not drawn as his human form in, in 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 wardrobe um but he comes to terms with that he's like you know i'm not a man i'm not going to be i don't know i don't think he says i'm not gonna i'm not a good dad or anything like that but it's like he just says, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I, I need to come to terms that I'm like this robot killing machine. Not even that. He said yeah. it on the on the answering machine back in the 80s. It was like, I, I can be better, mm-hmm. you know? And that's exactly what he's doing. It just, you know, took him 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> took him a while for sure. Yeah. Um, you yeah. said there was a couple moments of him doing yeah. What's the other one? The other one is later. Um, Do you want to save it? No, 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 no. I think it's I think it's good to talk about because um, it's not spoiling the whole thing, but it's when he's at the well with Crazy Jane, and and he's trying so hard to protect her, and Kay Chalice's father like like destroys Robot Man, eats and eats and rips him in half, mm-hmm. um, which is something I always like to see Robot Man do is is get broken into pieces and yeah. still like move around and stuff. I've always loved that concept um, because he can't feel anything. Um, But Crazy Jane gets upset by that and says, not him. Like, you can't, like, don't hurt him. And that's like a moment of clarity where it's like, she really does care about this guy. And and I think Crazy Jane's big thing is that she's been afraid of help, being afraid of letting others in because the people who should have loved her the most, her parents were not supportive at all on any good one sense of the fucking word <laughs> um so it, it it was one of those things where i was like yes this, this i enjoy that because he, he is being mauled and destroyed and she's being up she's getting upset that cliff steel is being hurt and i really really enjoyed that um 
But yeah, did you have any other big takeaways for Brendan Fraser in this in this or Cliff Steele just in general, robot yeah. man? Yeah. Um I I just I liked seeing him as Brendan Fraser. I liked him when he was sitting in jail and he finally was able to like he he uh <laughs> straw jack through straw a little, jack. little pick. That's another good one. <laughs> straw jack. You gotta keep that guy in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. I wonder why he was in the jail. Yeah, longer <laughs> than Karen. Like I had never even seen Straw Jack. Maybe like, he was just a nuisance. <laughs> um Oh my gosh! Excuse me. I just had to burp like crazy. Um, yeah, when he was when he was fighting th- uh, his way through the wall, he punches it and it hurts him. But at the same time, um, he continues and he's mm-hmm, still mm-hmm. being Robot Man. So even in the beginning of the episode, like deep down somewhere in in his mind, it was still emulating the sense of I'm still Robot Man. So he was able to punch through and then. When Penny Farthing kind of starts helping him, he frantically um, tries to bash through the wall, and he does it with like he turns around and starts using his elbows. The, the elbows. It's so cool. That was just uh, <laughs> like at the same time, I I don't want to get in a fight with Brendan Fraser because it mm-hmm. seems like he could just from that destroy something, and uh, it just seemed like a good use of um, of brute force. Uh, yeah, I never saw that before, but it was one of those things that like. That looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That looks neat. Yeah. And then there was a, going back to that music cue that I liked, and he started to do the pickaxe, and it would do jump cuts of him fighting his way through, and yeah. it matched up, it synced up with the with the downbeats of the of the song, mm-hmm. and it was really good. Yeah, there was some good editing in that. Great um, editing. There was, a, there was a good bit earlier where all the personalities are surrounding Jane, and, or was it Karen, and one of them did a quick, like, middle finger and it felt very Jane Jane did the middle finger. Yeah, and it felt very Edgar Wright the way it was like pretty polished said some quip and then the middle finger came up in, in like a quick cut mm-hmm. and I was like, "Huh, that was very good editing." Yeah. So throughout the episode there was just solid editing throughout um but uh, yeah, so um Crazy Jane basically is is going down memory lane where she's she's just tracing back all these memories um something that i i never realized and i and i don't know if i if this was in the grant morrison book as well when they were going into the underground but they all don't know about k chalice like i guess they all split these personalities and and just didn't know because they never went down the well to realize it because jane and and penny farthing they don't remember the memories they don't know who it belongs to and stuff like that and i never caught that before I was like, oh, like I thought that was just something that they would suppress. Yeah, I mean, maybe they probably are. I mean, Penny Farthing says they never put a second thought into it because mm-hmm. um, everybody shares the memories. So it's kind of just like a community pool at that point. Um, yeah, it's it's just you go through it. I thought that point when they were at the lake and she was doing the the daisy petals into the lake. Mm-hmm. Thought there was going to be some sort of Frankenstein thing. It's like a direct pull from Frankenstein oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. The, and the little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was trying to like play it out in my head as to what could happen in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of what kind of uh, connections can you draw to Frankenstein from that? And I don't know if there's any other than just Robot Man being the monster. Yeah, that Jane Robot Man would show up. Yeah, or um, that she, um, there was a moment where Penny said that there some of the good memories also have bad moments attached to them mm-hmm. and 
And so there, I mean, like that could have been a, I guess more positive moment, but like if the dad was somewhere in that Mm memory, in that memory, then that might've been like, it could have very well have been alluded to the, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein moment. Um, but, uh, there's, there was a good moment in, in, in that memory between, um, Crazy Jane and Penny Farthing. Again, a character that I did not expect to become such a um, supporting character in this episode, but I'm I'm so glad she was. Um, there was a moment with uh, Crazy Jane and Penny where, um, excuse me, Crazy Jane is saying, "You ever feel like your life is spiraling, spiraling out of control?" And Penny says, uh, "Yeah, that's why I come here," and I kind of like relax and enjoy this zenful memory and then and then crazy jane says well what happened if that no longer works and that creates a moment of pause and then we cut away from that scene um and that that conversation resonated with me more uh than than most of the conversations that happened in the episode um until later on when we did that whole thing with cliff Steele and and crazy jane's like climactic victory over kate chalice's father um, but this was the first time in the episode where I was like, that is a very important question to have. Uh, so I want to have that conversation with you, Nate, if you're up for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, this, this goes back to that thematic that we just created where the, that, that breaking of the, in, the infinite cycle, the infinite loop that we deal with every day. Um, and it seems that, um, the more you run away from your problems, the more your life may be spiraling out of control. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. <laughs> I'm living it, buddy. And so, um, do you, uh, I don't, uh, well, I don't want to ask you, do you? But Well, like, yeah, ask the question. Well, no, but I'm just saying, if you ever had those moments of your life spiraling out of control, like, what does that feel like? What, it, like, what instance could that, could that be real for us? Like, like, um, I, I I've I've felt like that in the we past. We felt like that. I have we felt have, like that. Or currently, you yeah. might be listeners. You might be listening and be like, "My life is like that, mm-hmm. where I feel like I have no control for the downward downward spiral yeah, that I'm in." Yeah, you get a lot of dreams of um, teeth falling out, losing your teeth, and stuff like that. Um, that's real. Let me <laughs> tell you right now. If you have dreams about losing your teeth or your teeth falling out, it's it's alluding to losing control of. Is some, it really? Yeah, and I have those quite often. Um, I think I had one last week and it was, it was awful cause it was in the dream. I was spitting out my teeth and it was like, Oh man, mm-hmm. this is it again. Um, and yeah, you just, you feel kind of helpless to it. Um, recently I, I felt like there was a, there was a moment where I was losing control on a lot of things, uh, financially things with, you know, feelings and, and been, and professionally yada, yada, yada. Um, me personally, it was just, it felt like, uh, you always say like, how do you, how do you know you're not going crazy? You have to ask that question yeah, and you find yourself doing that. But, um, there was a moment where I would have like, and I don't know if it was just dreams or, or if I was just imagining it, but I would have conversations, full conversations with people like you, my mother, my roommate, and then, you know, try to go back to that conversation the next day or whatever, remembering blitz of it. And it's like, what are you talking about? What is going on with me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's just a feeling of just not having control. 
um, that's when my penny farthing would come up and uh, try to run away from that and and not yeah the anxiety more, yeah, takes you elsewhere yeah and not think your, about it so much safety. and then you just kind of you just kind of let the day pass and see what happens again tomorrow but you're not solving anything you're you're running you're pushing it off yeah yeah um I've, I've i've had moments like that before um and very seldom do i have that real that that corner situation where i i face the demons but i Fight don't or flight but i don't do anything with it i guess i just realize it and i so a couple i guess a couple things that i feel like spiral out of control as time passes and one of them is definitely um, like empathy mm-hmm. and um, like more so of those kind of conversations where um, I guess more apathy really um, where we you, you have conversations with someone you could have a conversation with them yesterday mm-hmm. and the next day you might be like what what was I saying to them like what was that conversation and and and, and in my mind I'm going Mark why don't you care enough to remember those conversations because I think that's what it boils down to. And this is me yelling at myself where I go, why don't you give a shit that you, what you just had this conversation with someone like the, there's no, there's no drive for you to enact what you were saying or, or to even remember the conversation. You might forget it. And it, and it's me going, cause I just don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't want to do like, and uh, like I, I say things because I want to make people feel good, but in, in reality, I've lost that that empath- that emphatic need to to go and make those things to make people happy. Like it's just serving other people, and so it's a bit of apathy where it's like I don't care. Mm-hmm. And I start to forget that. So that's one thing that I feel like spiraling out of control. Where it's like I should care more and actually care because I want to care and not care because I need to care. Mm-hmm. Which is what ends up happening is when you feel the need to care is when the next day happens and you kind of forget it all because you don't care anymore. Um, and and is you, is you caring, um, and you telling yourself that you, you need to care. Is that your driver eight hitting the emergency brake? Um, or is it your penny farthing running away? I like that. We can actually, (laughs) (laughs) we can use these characters as a, as an outlet for our, feelings now i think if this is what those writers wanted buddy you're getting it (laughs) i think my character telling me that i should want to care is like my pretty polly or my secretary saying no you should care oh it's yeah probably you should be caring yeah um and then my my thing going no i shouldn't need to care i should want to care i should i should be facing those demons i think that that goes into the crazy jane like all right go back to where it all went Mm -hmm sideways yeah um and and that might be uh going back to um losing a loved one mm-hmm. uh, which i won't get into but like losing someone like that and going you know what's the point like who cares you lose everything and it doesn't matter like i used to be so close with my parents and then like i always now i feel like a robot mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like my emotions for other people now um, and it's terrible and it makes me a horrible person, but it is one of those things where it's like, I need to find the need to care for other people. And I, and I do want people to know that I do care about them, which I guess is my crazy Jane bit with like robot man, where it's like, when you see someone actually hurting, that's when you go, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. I know I've been a total like isolated bitch, but yeah, I need y'all to know that I do love you. And yeah. then the other thing is control. I think this is another big thing that I try to tackle in life. And as life goes on, I feel like I'm losing control. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had 
um i've had like hallucinations where i like um i i realize that i don't have control over myself when i'm like not uh sober and so like it's one of those things where it's like i i want to come back to being that so that i can have control again because um like when i don't have control uh, like i feel uh like worthless oh, or like yeah. I, do, I don't have control and so yeah. like i am a little bit of a control freak and i guess i don't realize that yeah like sometimes when i'm being like i'm a manager of sorts or like um even when i'm driving like i realize i have control issues because i need things to be orderly and there's like a bit of ocd in my life and so things kind of spiral out of control and so yeah, so issues I'm that's, having. And that's your Jane that needs to come <laughs> out and uh, and deal with it all. Yeah. Everybody has it. Everybody has their Jane that mm-hmm. needs to come out and, and either face the problems that you're that you're dealing with and, uh, you know, stand your ground. Yeah. So where do we go? Like, is there, I mean... I'm well, we're fortunate enough to not have uh, split 64 personalities yeah. that have to deal with these things. We, don't, we, we don't suffer from humans, schizophrenia. But everyone goes through... Everyone, schizophrenia? Schizophrenic? yeah whatever everyone schizophrenia sure everyone goes everyone is having out of spiral problems that we sweep under under the rug some handle it better Mm -hmm. uh some may not have that problem at all some definitely have that problem don't acknowledge it Um, but we all we all take the edge off somehow yeah and 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 i'm trying to think like to be aware of our penny farthing memory, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. to be aware of that, and know that that's just us being escapists, like that that is escapism that we seek all the time. Like, I guess, what is that that we do? Because I definitely, um, I don't know. Maybe it's a little too personal, but yeah, I guess it's just better just to know that we all have that. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It probably was personal, but I didn't take offense to it or anything. I don't want you to feel like you don't no, want to. No, no. This is a the silly audio medium that we're just spilling our guts out. <laughs> the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh. It's fuck. like, whoa, I'm going down this road. <laughs> <laughs> better not, better this not isn't an episode of You Made It Weird. But uh, I don't know. It's not. Oh. I'm not I'm not Pete Holmes, and this is not a top-rated podcast. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, but if you want to talk to us, let us know, I guess. Um, yeah, why not? Everybody needs someone to talk yeah, to. Yeah, if l- uh, if if we're saying things that that you feel like you want to, we're not anybody. Come on, who's gonna? We're just two guys talking out of a radio yeah. inside a painting, doing a show about comic book characters. Who cares? Yeah. But I feel like this is um th- this is good on the writers and good on everybody involved with Doom Patrol that can put things like um, the everyday monotonous uh, underground train going through the motions kind of thing. It's Mm -hmm. good to put it in a visual medium, and it's good to show that there is conflict that happens with everybody and not just fictional characters. Which is the whole point of Doom Patrol, right? I mean, that's why we fell in love with this comic book. That's why we've been talking about it. That's why we do a a show about it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, This is that show to have that kind of conversation because... It is true that we're just all nobodies. Like, you and I are nobodies on this podcast who cares about what we're saying. And that's kind of the point of Doom Patrol is, like, even these characters are nobodies. (laughs) The people listening to this show are nobodies. We're all just nobodies. And I think when we come to terms with how broken we all are, um, it's that that wonderful phrase, we're all here because we're not all there. And it's, it's... 
that's the whole point of this. That's why we love it so much is because when we read Doom Patrol, we look at it and we go, there's actually someone who understands me and they're representing it in this comic book. Not like here is Superman. Like Superman is our aspirations and, and Doom Patrol is the reality of who we are dealing with that. And, and, and honestly, that's like, this is the perfect, uh, medium for that kind of conversation. If you're into comic books and you want to have that kind of conversation, um, so yeah, absolutely. I, this is why we love Doom Patrol. Talk to us. We'll be your pseudo therapist for a little <laughs> bit. Might not tell you anything good, but uh, hey, at least uh, you'll say something, and then we'll say something back. Pseudo Could be personal. Pseudo group therapy. Yeah. Um, and at least someone says something back, right? At least someone shouting into the void and shouting back. It's a little bit of recognition that you exist in the world. Yeah. Um, one cool thing that I thought about towards the end of the episode was. Um, for some reason, so as Crazy Jane goes into the final memories of, or the initial memories of Kate Chalice, um, deeper and closer to the well, I was starting to think like, this could be a really good Halloween Horror Nights house. And for those who don't know, that's a, a Halloween event here in Orlando, Florida. They do it in LA. It is a event that they do both in Orlando, Florida, and Hollywood, or uh, Hollywood, Hollywood, Orlando, Hollywood, Florida, no, <laughs> Hollywood, Flo- nope, <laughs> different place. Holly- it's a thing that that Universal Studios host both here in Florida and in California, and in California, in Universal Hollywood and Universal Studios, uh, Orlando, and uh, I was, you know, they do these big elaborate stage production uh, film studio. Do they do it in California? They do it in California, right? They do it in California. It's not in the park. There's no. Is there a theme park in California? Yes. There's a Universal theme park. Oh yeah, it's got the whole all the the different Jurassic Park stuff. Yeah, I get that. Eh, it's all right. I, I watched ha- the YouTube video. We have the better theme park. You can just go on YouTube and watch Ayo. it. Ayo. But um, they do these giant production, they're very movie set like quality haunted houses. They're amazing to go and and see all the detail that they put in these houses and and the scare actors that they have there. Um, characters, if you will. Yeah, but I gotta... If I said characters, <laughs> someone would be like, did you just say characters? Yeah. Scare actors. Um, scary it, characters. <laughs> <laughs> scary characters welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Why isn't that USA's <laughs> Halloween campaign? Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, my gosh. Um, or characters welcome. Anyways, um... This would be this whole underground thing would be a great Halloween Horror Nights house because it would start with like the underground train. Mm-hmm. You get off the train, you walk through some of these memories are very nice, but they're got all these different crazy Jane personalities popping out of the woodwork. It writes itself. Yeah, you're black anise, and then you, by the end of it, you're like going through the the hallway. You got angry drunk dad shows up, he's beating people. And, oh, yeah, there was that Miranda hallway where all the dead Mm -hmm. people were in. Like, there was so much of this episode that I was like, this could be a haunted house. So if you're listening, Doom Patrol, make this a haunted house. And we will come to it. I will get on a plane. I think they were actually talking about doing the Danny the Street pop-up thing. I will get on a plane and go to it. I was like, please let one pop up in Orlando, Florida. Um, I want to visit that. I want to go to Danny the Street. 
Um, but yeah, this this could have been a a a haunted house for sure, um, and I loved every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I gotta I gotta ask since we're on like the the tail end of the episode here, mm-hmm. maybe probably. Um, in the beginning, we kind of uh, and in a few episodes ago, the question surrounding Crazy Jane was um, where did it all start? Mm-hmm. Like at what point did you yeah. split off into sixty four personalities? Yeah, and we got that in this episode, did we not? Yeah, we yeah. we did. This is. Um, this I think they showed it visually, and I think it was very well represented. Because, uh, in my opinion, it's the point where she, where Kay Chalice, ends up stepping up from the puzzle and walking to embrace her father. Towards the end of the episode, we see Jane um, kind of take the place of Kay in the memory, and I'm the, sitting here believing that that is the moment that um, the sixty four personalities split. It's once she gets up and and does this 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 horrid you know uh, act that her father's making her do. She splits and kind of leaves part of her behind. She shuts down and kind of just switches over to whoever is going to take over. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that it's the brain trying to cope every time the father um, hurts Kay Chalice mm-hmm. and. That brain continuously is is, is splitting. Um, there's something similar to that in the haunting of Hill House, where a child is being sexually assaulted, mm-hmm. and that in order for that child to cope, she creates a demon that she sees called uh, Mister Smiley, which is a like throughout scary stories that's a reoccurring. Uh, like killer or demon, um, Mr. Smiley being like a faceless man with just like the smiley face cut into the f- like skin of the face. Um, that was the guy with that would walk with the umbrella, right? And uh, like the walking, the cane. He was dapper. He had a hat, top hat. Am I thinking of someone else? Was I think you might be thinking of someone else. Mm. But in uh, in Haunting of Hill House, there was um, there was that like a child coping with yeah. sexual assault, and so created something that the brain could could not blame the father, but blame something else. Um, And um, in this, Kay Chalice, Crazy Jane is born from that sexual assault that the father was doing to Kay Chalice. And so an act so heinous, it created that monster. It created those 64 personalities to fragment that much. Um, Crazy Jane, though, the, the the history behind, the mythology behind the name itself, though, stems from that uh, hedonistic poem about Crazy Jane, um, a, uh, a poem that, that um, argues that hedonism might actually be a good thing and, and that you should be um, accepting of it and supporting of of a hedonistic lifestyle um, and that being promiscuous might be okay. And then the 64 personalities that Grant Morrison came up with, I think was supposed to be a a reference to the 64 positions of Kama Sutra. Oh, and so it's like that whole promiscuous vibe that, that crazy Jay might be about. Um, But to, to have like, it's normal for the mind to cope and maybe break for two personalities, um, but to break into 64 personalities 
is is wild. And then for comic book taste, they each have their own meta power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the movie split. He has like eight personalities, and then the ninth one is like the Beast or something. And eight is div- sixty four is divisible by eight. Oh, there you go. Maybe we're on to something. Uh, uh, we've m- argued that math that is involved heavily in our world. We have argued that the M Night Shyamalan like Unbreakable trilogy is like the closest thing to Doom Patrol as well, because Doom Patrol was like there's Doom Patrol, and then you look at the Unbreakable trilogy with like Glass and mm-hmm. and um, Split, and you go those characters seem. Yeah, you, it, get the, you got the Niles, you, you got, got the, Niles. the robot man, brute, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and then you have split personalities. Mm-hmm. There's there's something that I saw in, in that Glass trilogy where I went, this seems like, and, and they very heavily reference comic books in that one. So I don't know, Maybe I'm thinking maybe M. Night Shyamalan like, did his own version of Doom Patrol um, with those movies. Well, but. I mean, yeah, kind of even a reference because in those movies it was it was about, you know, the, they were, the, the X-Men kind of were, were heavily kind of involved um, mainly just because it was the team of misfits with, you know, mutants with the powers led mm-hmm. by the guy in the wheelchair kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, so, yeah, this is that. And then Doom, Doom Patrol was, uh, you know, direct reference to X-Men. Um, not even reference. It was an answer to, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, to X-Men. So, yeah, uh, M. Night Shyamalan also has his... Uh, Hand and and these kind of storytelling. I wonder what it, that is called. Like it's a team makeup, but it's um, it's different. It's and I don't know if it's just a misfit team. I think it's like another. What is the big un, uh, what is the umbrella, uh, blanket term for? I guess misfit group. Hmm. Like that uh, Motley Crew, super, yeah, superhero Motley Crew. Mm-hmm. series yeah <laughs> franchises yeah that's a good question um that's a bigger discussion that's a bigger discussion because then you got to talk about all the organizations that people have created yeah for every comic book so but no i do like that i, I like that you brought that up there's definitely a you know a shared storytelling element that a lot of these when you think teams... about all those team those crew comic book crews um like fantastic four and x-men and doom patrol justice justice league dark justice society of america uh even when you got to talk about like new gods or the eternals or the inhumans like you got all these i mean even uh, sucker punch Zack snyder's sucker punch like uh it's in a sense kind of cope you know it's it's coping with mental illness mm-hmm. um but then the mind goes off and in, into wander into of, coping in, into in that dreamland yeah. and creating yeah. some video game scenario yeah. that they got to fight creating out different personalities yeah. for these people that you know yeah absolutely yeah. especially so. like uh in the scene where they got to get like the knife from the butcher but mm-hmm. they're like coping it with like oh we got to defuse this bomb before it gets to the city and it's like you're a literally crazy person. Yeah, and it's like all this escapism and stuff that, yeah. that kind of goes hand in hand with the that helps them these these dissonant characters. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that one up because that's a good one. It's it's I think it's a good storytelling element. Mm-hmm. I mean, even um, I guess Batman coping with being a bat is like all right, crazy person. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, but that is that's that's kind of on the basis that's just splitting yourselves in two. Yeah, that's absolutely. Just, that's just right down a dichotomy. Yeah, um, I I, I want to go down that rabbit hole with you, but we're gonna not on this one. <laughs> that's a, probably as soon as we're done with this episode, we'll probably have that conversation still. Um, but 
Yeah, so like being that this is the revelation of of what happened to Kate Chellis for Crazy Jane and Crazy Jane standing up uh to uh, her father um there's uh, it's very much like in the comic books where she stands up to him and says that I'm not afraid and, and all that but you can't take away the fact that that has been revealed and so the way the episode ends is that as she goes to lay down in bed in reality, crazy Jane is, is saved and she comes back to reality. Um, she still hears the words of her father. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious, like, where do we go from now? Is, is that an illusion? Is that, is that, um, is that foreshadowing that we might go back to the underground or is that like, cause, cause now she knows she's Kate Chalice. Yeah. And now that she knows what created her. And I'm curious, like, how do you uh, how do you move from that? Where where to now? And I guess it's a question for the writers, but it's, like, it's a question. Even I mean, that's just think about it in a more realistic purpose. Um, you kind of face your demon that that you know what's stopping you, but that's not just the end. You know, real life isn't just the final chapter. Good guy beats bad guy, and then you go to sleep at night. No, you're still like Crazy Jane is still going to be Crazy Jane. Yeah, I mean Driver Eight just fixed the the train. Like that's it. It's still going to. There's another metaphor. Driver Eight is still going to continue yeah. that train in the infinite loop. It's not like she won. There's there was. It's I mean she just this kinda, ain't that story. Yeah, it's this not. Ain't it's cop, not that. This ain't Superman. She heard the. She still hears the voice because that's still a part of her. That's still in her mind. She didn't penny farthing run away from it. She kind of stood her ground. And it just maybe subsided the memory just that much. And that's all it did. It just maybe subsided it. It's not like once she stood up to her father, all the 64 personalities were like, all right, our job here is done. Go back to being Kay. Like, that's that's not mm-hmm. how it works. She goes back to being Crazy Jane and Jane being up at the top. All the personalities are still in the underground. Yeah, it's it's a conversation. And, and we're going to have to like look at how people deal with trauma because mm-hmm. you can't take it out. Mm-mm. You can't delete the trauma. Um, you just got to accept it and, and I guess move on and in your own way, you come yeah. out stronger. And, and I, I think uh, this is the beginning of that. This is the beginning of, of crazy Jane. First of all, being aware of the issue mm-hmm. and she stood the ground, but she, I'm curious to see what happens next, and I and I hope to see more of it, and then I, and I hope to see them discuss that, discuss like the her discussing it with the Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm hoping like the season ends and they do group therapy again, but this time they're actually doing it in a way that they all actually benefit from it. I would love to see that where it's like. The first one was a bust, but then it actually ends with them doing small time group therapy, and it's like, like maybe every morning instead of team meetings, they do group therapy. Like mm-hmm. I would love that. That would be such a wholesome thing to see, where they all just come together and, and talk about their their traumas and and stuff. That would be such a kind hearted thing to see, and and very positive, very supportive, um, and overall ethical. Yeah, so it'd be really cool. Um, before we leave off for today's episode, there is one more final thing I guess we wanted to talk about, and that is what happens when they when they wake up uh, from the underground and back into reality. And there was some 
there were some disturbances, I guess, that had happened, uh, I guess, while while they were in there between Rita Farr and Cyborg. And, and this was like my question was like, I wonder what happened. Because I, at first I was thinking, was there like a deleted scene? Like, mm-hmm. did I miss something? Yeah. And and you brought that up too, yeah. Um, but what did happen? Do we know? Um, we have speculation, yeah. just because we looked at that sneak pre- sneak yeah the sneak preview of the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a name drop of a character that's going to appear next week. I know it just from volume two. I'm just flipping through, um, but there was something we'll have to revisit uh, just next week probably. When uh, you want to save it for next week, we don't have to save it for next week, but we can say what our speculation is. Yeah, go um, for it. So they they drop the character name. Um, the Beard Hunter, mm-hmm. which was a character from Volume 2 of Doom Patrol, uh, Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. And uh, that's when um, that's when Flex Mentalo's story starts. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with uh, you know him reminiscing and, and talking to Niles Calder, but then it kind of jumps a little bit later on down the road. Um, and um, this, the you know, Beard Hunter's there. So we were curious as to, uh, there was a pile of something that Cliff gestures to in the corner of the lab. And it's like, what happened here? And Rita says it's a long story, yada, yada. We were thinking that's a pile of beards uh, in the uh, in the corner there, possibly. Yeah, there was like, yeah, there was just all kinds of broken equipment. Was it, it broken equipment? I don't know what it I was. I don't remember what it, it was. It was like broken, but it was definitely like fragmented stuff on the ground. Mm-hmm. And even the second time rewatching it, I still went, okay, well, what is that? Because it wasn't a lot of stuff. It was like a very small amount of stuff and... They said it was a long story, so somehow um, I, I think next week's episode is going to be playing along the same time as Cliff is in the underground, mm-hmm. which is going to be very weird because I like I was starting to think, okay, is this is this a subplot that's going to be get, getting its own episode? Should the two episodes have been run in tandem and and broken the two stories? Oh, no, there's too much going on in the underground for there's that. There's too much going on in yeah. the underground, so they were like, let's do all the underground stuff in this one, mm-hmm. and we'll do the Beard Hunter stuff in the next episode. But I was thinking, like, is that going to be enough for an episode? Like, is that going to... And so that's what I was thinking. Mm. It's like, should that... Should the underground been have... Should, should it have been drawn out? But then where do you stop kind of thing? Like, I don't know... It, I'm curious to see how it ends up, but basically, the Bureau of Normalcy uh, shows up again. Um, they send an agent. They send an a- another agent. Mm-hmm. They decide to get weird with it, too, and send someone, um, the Beard Hunter, if you will. Um, and so, very excited to see that, but we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today's episode. And if you enjoyed everything you heard... Please let us know on all social media at Radio Doom Patrol. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter. And let us know, please, who you found. Uh, Maybe the most memorable personality that you saw in today's episode. uh, A moment of today's episode that you found uh, was most resonating with you. And uh, have that conversation with us. Let us know what you thought. And uh, catch us back here next time. And DJ, please take it away. seated until the trade comes to a full stop gather your belongings and exit to the driver's right obtenga sus pertenencias y vaya al derecho i hope you enjoyed your stay and we'll see you again 
least stand clear of the doors. <laughs>